We've been talking about doing this for a long time now, and we finally have them. Our very first baby chicks. Well, sort of our first. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of November 6th, 2014. We didn't have a lot to say about it because it happened so fast, but we did get, um, was it five chicks? You know, I was in California, and I'm completely innocent of everything. (laughs) I think we started with five chicks. Learned only when I went to pick them up that they were meat birds rather than egg layers, or or rather than dual-purpose birds. And as a result, it was a sort of a, okay, now what do we do kind of thing. And we decided, okay, we'll go ahead and raise them. And um, I inadvertently left the shop door open didn't mean to but I just left it sort of almost closed but not quite and you might want to mention where you had the baby chicks had them in the shop and was keep I was keeping them behind closed doors to protect them from Adi because although Adi is trained and is being very good about leaving the adult chickens out on the orchard floor alone he didn't have any training about leaving chicks alone right. in the shop. And he's a Springer Spaniel, which is maybe not relevant. He's a dog. I mean, that's the most important thing. But I think you're dog. right. I think as a breed, he's trained to go after birds. Mm-hmm. So um, birds were, you know, it's very much his, both, both his recreation and his instinct to go after them. And uh, he made very short work of those four chicks, uh, five chicks that we had. So this is our sort of second round but it's the first round that you and I have done together because you were you happened to be gone when we got the chicks and they were dead before you got back so that's right I never got to know those five little chicks I'm sure I would have become attached but um but we learned something from that and it's interesting that you uh mention and again we do not blame our dog at all for what happened it's a it was a human error factor because he was following his instinct. I was actually reading up before we got these latest uh, birds about in in the backyard chickens. There was a blog where different people were weighing in and and one fairly experienced owner said that one of the greatest hazards to baby chicks is the family dog or cat. Exactly. So we we know we have to protect them from Adi, and we are being very careful now, for reasons you certainly can understand, to keep that um, the, the shop closed up tight. Uh, even though Adi, in the past, had wandered in and out at his leisure, but now it's closed up so he can't get in. And hopefully, once the chicks are out on the in their coop and grown up a little bit, he'll be able to come back in. It's not a permanent uh, barring of his coming yeah, in there. Yeah, we think this will last for a couple of months uh, before the uh, these chicks have feathered out completely and will be sufficiently hardy to move to their coop on the orchard floor. Well, let's talk about these specific chicks that we yeah. have. They're cute. We went on Monday afternoon of this week. Uh, today's Thursday, so it gives you an idea. Picked up the chicks from Asa Vaughn in 
Tuskegee. I don't know Bond, the name. Bond, feed, and seed. Okay. And, um, yeah, actually, you're the one who had done some research and found this place, and that's where, and um, they came recommended from a friend. And a shout-out to our friend Mike Harbour for telling us about him. Right. Um, we would not have known that Asa had chicks to sell until Mike told us about them. We got two barred rocks and two Rhode Island reds. They're uh, as of today, they're two weeks old. No, yesterday, whatever. They're, yesterday. they're about two weeks old now. And um, there is a distinct difference in appearance. The Rhode Island reds are kind of a golden color. They're really Beautiful pretty. Beautiful color. Yeah. And the uh, barred rocks are dark. Um, probably will have a striped appearance as they get to be adults. A little white spot they will, on top. They'll have a barred pattern. Yeah, which are actually the girls we already have out on um, our adult hens are half barred rocks. So we know that look um but they um and they seem to be getting along well even though when you when you went you were actually the one who went in and got them from asa i was sort of looking at plants i got distracted by the um different vegetable plants he had still out there but um you had they had them segregated by type right they had the rhode island reds in one little bin of chicks right and then they had the um barred rock in another so this is the first time those mixed but they seem to get along great don't they oh they're they're fine together that's not a problem they are very social this is a great illustration of chick see chick do you know if one decides to go eat pretty soon all four of them are going to be eating if one decides they're going to go over to the water bottle and get some water pretty soon all four of them are at the water bottle if one lies down, you know, they all follow along and they sort of do the same thing together. And I can't tell that they're following any particular chick. They're just, they tend to do what they see somebody else doing. As far as the sex, uh, Asa told you what, they were 98% chance they were female? He uses the expression 98%. He says there's a 98% probability that we have four girls. And how does he know that? Beats me. I mean, is it because, though, when they're buying the chicks, they are, you know, there's some... I mean, people want females. They're they're wanting laying hens. I'll, I honestly don't know, don't how, know how he, he knows. knows. Okay. But it's not that they are... You can't really tell for sure right now. Correct. We're calling them girls, but you never know. You we, never know. And I don't know at what point their sex characteristics come out. Do you know? Oh, by six months, I'm sure we'll, we'll know. We'll know. Okay. Um there are some breeds of, in fact, I'd love to get some later in the, in our chicken housing career. Um, there are some sex linked, such as black and red sex linked, where you actually can tell from the color of the chick from the get-go what sex it is. Right. But, but we don't have these those. These are not uh, These like are, that. you know, you just really can't tell from looking at them. At least you and I can't tell. It's possible that somebody who really understands chicks would be able to tell, but I can't. But they are cute. We know that. <laughs> They um, they were in a what seemed to me to be pretty much a state of shock when they arrived um, on Monday afternoon and we got them into their little bin. We have a large plastic bin that is their home now with a heat lamp at one end of it. They have some light that's on a timer so they they get a daytime that more or less corresponds with what the natural daylight is. At this point, we see no advantage to pushing their daylight. Right. We'd like for them to get acclimated to what they're going to find when they get out on the orchard floor. And so they'll get through this period with 
uh, day and night link that corresponds to what they're going to find outside. And they have a feeder and they have a little water bottle that I fashioned out of a nipple and an old Heinz barbecue sauce bottle. And hay on the bottom. Hay, hay on it. the bottom, <clears throat> which we change periodically. Mm-hmm. It, they've been on it now for two days, and I can tell it's been used. Uh, so probably another day or so, and I'll change out the hay. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a heat lamp out there. We have a heat lamp that's po- that's tucked on one end so they can move away from or close to the heat lamp, depending on how warm they are and how warm they want to be. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll be right underneath it, and sometimes they'll move out away from it and relax. So I I know they're using it the way they should. Right. Yes, that's one thing I read is if they're huddled together under the heat lamp, it means that the overall room temperature is too cool. But it does mean they're they're getting their heat there and that they should have a chance to wander away from it if they want to because if it's too warm, they should have a chance to escape it. So yeah. you're, you're, we're doing exactly the right thing, I think. You may ask, why is it that we're getting chicks? Because obviously uh, it would be easy to just get fully grown pullets and begin enjoying eggs right away. And Yeah, and by pullets, we'd know they're female without having to wait around and see. True. Uh, you and I decided uh, that we would prefer to have birds who are accustomed to us from the beginning, who know our voice, who are comfortable with our touching them. So it, it was important to us to raise them from chicks. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a bonding that goes on there that um, because really these chick, these adult hens, we haven't wanted to try to pick them up. Uh, they don't. You know, it, that's and a strange. They certainly haven't welcomed our. They doing does so. not. They do not want to be picked up. But handling a, a chicken that is one that you've raised is supposed to be easy. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Our big accomplishment yesterday is that they finally started hitting the bottle. Um, when they arrived, I didn't know how they were being fed or watered at Aces, but I could tell they didn't understand what a nipple was. Mm -hmm. So I just put some food in a plate and a little Pyrex bowl of water on that same plate. And fortunately, they did begin eating and drinking pretty much right away, certainly within three or four hours after they arrived. Um, But I didn't want that to be the permanent arrangement because it's too messy. It's very messy. They didn't. They they met. The, they get their food in the water almost instantly, and it's right. just a horrible. And, you know, they walk look. all over their food, and they walk all in the water, and so forth. So, um, very fairly quickly, they transition to eating out of the feeder rather than eating out of the plate. But it has taken them a while to transition from eating from drinking water out of that little bowl to drinking it out of the waterer that I fashioned. But the big accomplishment yesterday was they finally all um, figured out to hit the bottle for water. So I think they're fine now. Uh, we still are watching for pasty butt. Right. That's one of the, uh, uh, I guess, most common health problems in a chick like that, um, usually brought on by stress, which stress of moving them probably wasn't, and, and other factors, too. It's not just that. But, I mean, that's the one thing we know happens when you move four chicks out of a their little environment that we used to put them in a pasteboard box long enough to get them here. Luckily, we're not that far from Tuskegee. It was a short drive, but still, um, we knew that that probably in, induced a little stress. 
Um, so yes, we're, we're watching for that. And of course there is a way to, you know, remedy that you can sort of soften, you know, take a soft wet cloth and dampen it so that they don't, that their, their little buttons isn't pasty, pasty anymore. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be watching for that. But one of the things I read about that was the most promising is actually a method of preventing pasty butt in the first place, which is to, um, it's supposed to help anyway, I don't know if it's 100%, but add a little apple cider vinegar to their water. So we're going to, next time we put fresh water in, we'll try that. Yeah, we're going to put it, and it's just a teeny, teeny, teeny amount of vinegar that you put in to the water. It's not mu- enough for them to taste or anything like that, but it is supposed to uh, help uh, prevent pasty mm-hmm. butt. Right. Uh, in terms of how we transition from where they are now to the coop, we're a little nervous because the the female bard rock who is at least right now, the most active we're of assuming the four, female. We're assuming female. <laughs> we're assuming female. Has already begun jumping and flapping her wings as if she's trying to uh, get out of the bin. We're confident she wouldn't be at all happy if she ever were to get out. She would want to get right back in. But for But in any event, it would be a very bad thing if she got out. So one of the first things we think we need to do is to figure out some way to put a little uh, restraint of some kind on the top of the bin so that even though there's a space for the heat lamp to continue to warm up the area, we're not going to allow enough space for one of the birds to escape. So right. we've got to figure that out together. Mm-hmm. Um, then they should be fully feathered by six to eight weeks and that corresponds to pretty cold winter time so we're going to be leisurely about moving them from the bin and indoors out onto the orchard floor we do not now plan to have any heating for them out on the orchard floor and once they're fully feathered they should be fine Exactly. Um, but we are thinking about having a transition period in which we bring a coop inside the shelter of that storage room, or your shop, rather, and um, we can even keep a heat lamp over to one side if it's a cold night. So they or can not. Get a- you know, we may let them sort of get acclimated to no heat lamp without it being really, really cold. Well, yeah, I think that's ideal. I'm just saying... move it out, then they'll... Um, and, and by then, they will have, the way we're calendaring it, they should have nine weeks. You know, right. They should be nine weeks old, which should be plenty of time for them to get fully feathered and be able to withstand the cold. And all I'm saying about the heat lamp is it, 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 when you're talking about something the size of the coop, if you just had over in one corner so they could get to it if they need to, they're not, from what I'm reading, they're not going to go sit under a heat lamp if they don't need it. Well, it, we'll... We'll probably know a lot more by the time right. we get to that And we'll that know point. about the for- weather forecast, right, because yeah. lately we haven't had anything that's so cold that, you know, it would be a problem, but um, you, know, you never know, December. So we're, pr- we're planning for them to arrive on the orchard floor probably in mid to late December, and then um, if, the, if, if our experience works out to be like that of others, we're hoping for our first eggs in early May. Right. That would be uh, uh, great timing. And 
I like the way that works out because what it means is we don't need to worry about any supplemental lighting to keep their days long until the fall. Right. And and just to clarify, if someone's not really following why we would do that, um, if you're not an experienced person with chickens, which I wasn't, uh, but apparently as the days get shorter, their egg laying production drops off, but plenty of people with chickens have learned ways of supplementing the light artificially to keep the egg laying going through the winter. And at first, you and I were saying, well, we just don't want to add any supplemental lighting because we want our hens to live a natural life. Um, but we've pretty much come around on that. You're gonna, only going to get a couple of years of laying out of a hen, so why not go ahead and um, use the light, get as much production as you can, and um, it's going to stop on its own accord anyway. Right, and, and I think we've satisfied ourselves after going to that chicken workshop and talking to Dr. Joe, you know, that, that it's not harmful to the chickens to do that, to add that light. doesn't seem to bother <clears> them <throat> at all. It's not. So so I think you're right. But as you said, this year, it's a moot point because they'll be too young to be laying. Next year, God willing, they're all still alive and healthy. Then we will cross that bridge of how to supplement their light out outside. Um, we are planning to use the same coop that right now is occupied by our non-laying Adelaide and Beyonce. <laughs> And so we'll just have to um, deal with that. We've had an entire podcast about what we've done to deal with it. And, and Adelaide and Beyonce are still with us. They are still. Don't need to belabor that. We don't point, need to belabor it. They They're still out there. And I enjoy them. I really do. Um, and we've tried to emphasize they're not pets. Um, so when the time comes, they'll be, as Barbara Kingsolver says, give them a good life until they're good on the table. And they're having a good life right now. And one of the things we want to do is we want to go ahead and remove them from the coop and get the coop up off the ground, let it air out, get nice and clean and we'll disinfect to, yeah, it. Yeah, we have to disinfect it because young chicks are prone to diseases that older chicks have uh, either had or become immune to, and that disease could still be in there. So we want to make sure the clean that the coop is as clean as possible and, and let it air out for two or three weeks before the new uh, chicks arrive right. in it. And, of course, by then they won't be chicks anymore. They'll, They'll be, be chickens. Oh, I know. They'll, They'll be, be I, pullets. Pullets. You know, one question before we have to leave is someone might say, well, why would you settle on four hens? Well, one one's just a practical, practical matter. The uh, coop that we currently own will only house up to four hens. Now, we have, an, uh, a, ta we have a run attached that will allow a larger number. But right now, just the coop itself, and they must have access to a coop, um, has um, you know capacity for only four. Yes, I think I'd like to have more chickens. I'd like to have a larger flock than that in the future. That will necessitate building a larger coop, and that's something we can think about for later. So at, over time, we may end up with a larger flock. Right now, uh, that's how many we have. I fully expect we're going to have plenty of eggs for us from four good hens. We've never had four good hens before. You're right. This, <laughs> we would have plenty of eggs for our family, you and Adrian and me, here at the farm. More if than we enough. Had more yeah. than enough. What I'd like to, my long-range goal, though, is to have enough eggs that if I want to use the eggs for baking, if I've got to make a recipe that that day I have to have four eggs and I still want to have some for breakfast the next day and I still, you know, make an omelet, I'd like to have enough. And it probably means, yes, and on an average day we'd have more than we need, so we give them away to people. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. 
So that's um, how things are working. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. They say that it will be helpful to your chicks if you give them some place to roost. By four weeks of age, right? It, that was younger than out. So, so that's, that's in two you know, weeks. Yeah, basically Thanksgiving. Around Thanksgiving, we're going to install some kind of roost in there so they can begin experiencing that. Right. It's not doesn't have to be very high up, but just so that just to get said, into yeah. the habit of it mm-hmm. and you know to begin experiencing a roost because they by that age their sort of their instinct is to begin to roost and we want to give them a place because we want to get them acclimated to roosting. We have a little problem. One of our two right now is sleeping not on the roost, but in one of the laying boxes. You're talking about one of our two large adult Correct, humans, right? Correct, yeah. And um, it's a bit of a pain because we end up having to clean out the nest, the laying box even though we're not getting any eggs. Yes, and when you say cleaning out, she uses that for her toilet. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's our report. We will uh, look forward to visiting with you again soon. Have a good week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.